You may have heard of Kegels before, but pelvic floor therapy can help you get the most out of physical therapy for pelvic pain and urinary symptoms. Let's talk about it today with Rachel Kim, a senior physical therapist at Emerson Hospital. This is HealthWorks Here, the podcast from Emerson Hospital. I'm Prakash Chandran. So Kim, first of all, what is the pelvic floor and where is it located? Yeah, so the pelvic floor is a group of muscles. Um, You have both internal and external muscles as part of your pelvic floor. These muscles attach uh, mainly from your pubic bone, which is at the front of your pelvis, to your tailbone or coccyx. Um, These muscles are you know, acting as support. So the main um, action of these muscles is to support your inner organs, to support um, your postural stability and maintain continence so that, you know, you can walk yourself to the bathroom and go to the bathroom. um, And then that's not just happening. Right. So, you know, one of the things that we're talking about today is general pelvic health. And this is really the first time um, that I'm learning about, you know, the pelvic floor and the, and the pelvis. Um, but I did research something called pelvic floor dysfunction. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So pelvic floor dysfunction is when something is going on with these muscles and you end up having some symptoms. And pelvic floor dysfunction is a lot more common than many people think. I have some just general statistics to throw out. More than 25 million Americans are suffering from some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction. 80% of that group is women. And most commonly, it's urinary incontinence, which is the inability to keep your urine in, um, resulting in some sort of leaking. You know, to break it down further, this is happening, you know, more so in the pregnant and postpartum population about, you know, half of pregnant women will suffer from some sort of incontinence, and then this will continue on after the delivery of their children. But it is something that can happen in kind of any um, age group of individuals. You know, there's some different risk factors for that, kind of including, like I said, that pregnant postpartum group. Also, the postmenopausal group, as women age and estrogen decreases, that puts you at more risk of dysfunction. Any sort of abdominal surgery, This can happen in really high-intensity athletes, you know, individuals that are overweight or obese, or anyone having any other kind of neurological disorders. And I know that we kind of talk a lot about this happening in women, but I do want to mention that pelvic floor dysfunction can also happen in the male population. Um, It's a little bit less common, but it does happen and is usually in the form of incontinence or pelvic pain. Okay. And I I do want to get back to, you know, how it uh, manifests itself in the male population. But, you know, one thing that I wanted to note is that, you know, we just had uh, a new baby three months ago. Oh, congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, But my wife has been surprised uh, because her pelvic floor still seems to be recovering, you know, and she has expressed some of the symptoms that you mentioned in uh, the urinary incontinence and also the constipation. And it's just, you know, it's kind of uh, something that really she didn't expect. So maybe talk a little bit about what kind of symptoms uh, people go through postpartum and what they can expect in terms of uh, a treatment plan and getting themselves better. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, what we always say is these symptoms are common, as as we've discussed, but they're not normal. So anyone that's dealing with these symptoms, our big message and the reason that we're doing a lot of this um, education is we want people to know that there is something that they can do about it. It it is a treatable condition, and we want to kind of reduce the stigma that's associated with it. So I'm glad that you brought that up. You know, pelvic physical therapy and intervention is really great and 
in more than 60% of individuals, they're getting a resolution of symptoms with it. So some common symptoms that you're going to see, um, I usually divide it, you know, pelvic health dysfunction into the following categories. So I'm just really going to make this very general, but it's the group of people that can't keep it in. So that's the urinary incontinence. Sometimes some bowel incontinence can happen. Um, Prolapse where some internal organs are actually descending out, that can happen, um, especially after childbirth. You're going to feel a lot of pressure and things like that. Then the second category is individuals that can't get it out or are having pain. So that's the constipation, retaining urine, not able to get that urine out, pain with intercourse or internal exams or tampon use or things like that. That's another category. Um, And then kind of that third category is that postpartum prenatal category. So those people that are just having symptoms while they're pregnant or immediately after, um, that can be a separation of your abdominal wall, um, which is called a diastasis recti, um, pubic symphysis separation, which can happen um, while you're pregnant where there's some pain and separation in the pelvis. You can also get scar restrictions if there's any um, trauma during delivery or with cesarean sections or just kind of pelvic pain. A lot of pregnant women are wearing braces and things like that. So those are all symptoms that are common and things that we can treat in therapy. Okay, let's talk a little bit about what therapy looks like. Like, So let's say my wife, she is uh, expressing some of the symptoms that you mentioned. She goes for, I guess, pelvic therapy uh, with someone like you. Talk to us what uh, a normal appointment looks like. Yeah, so what we do is we have um, the patient come in. Usually they're referred from their physician, um, and we're really just going to start with a comprehensive history. So we want to know everything that's going on. Is there any... um, medical history, you know, how many children do you have, kind of take us through those births. We're getting really detailed in everything that's going on. Any other lifestyle factors or history that we need to know about, that's kind of the first line. Um, The the second most important thing is that we are um, usually performing an internal examination. So we, we really need to look at those pelvic floor muscles, and that's the best way to do it. With that being said, we understand not everyone's comfortable with that, so we can always make adjustments to our evaluation and and do more external examination as needed. But we're going to look really closely at, you know, what those muscles look like, just like we would on any other part of the body. Um, Is there any scar tissue? Are there any, you know, muscle knots, muscle spasms going on? What is the strength of those muscles? What is the endurance of those muscles? Um, We're looking at the alignment of the pelvis. Are all those bones aligned the way that they should? Um, Flexibility, hip strength, core strength, really comprehensive, detailed evaluation. You know, we might not get to everything on day one, but we're going to look at that through the course of the treatment um, and and really individualizing our evaluation based on the symptoms. Um, And then our big thing in the beginning is education. Again, this is a foreign subject to a lot of people. They've never even thought about their pelvic floor. So we're just really trying to educate people what can be done, what can we do. And then then we move forward from there. Um, And, you know, common treatments, if you you want me to get into that... um, yeah, you know, I think my my wife, she's been going to therapy and there's a series of exercises that she's doing, you know, after an examination, you know, putting together a schedule of exercises uh, that she should be doing to strengthen her pelvic floor. So maybe talk a little bit about those exercises and any other treatment plans that you might offer. Yeah, definitely. So um, just like, you know, we talked about there's many different categories of pelvic floor dysfunction. There's not going to be a one size fits all treatment approach, but 
there are many options available. And like I said, we're going to individualize that to each patient. The big things that, you know, are commonly done for treatment are pelvic floor muscle strengthening. Um, we can use biofeedback, which is, you know, using electrodes set up to the pelvic floor muscles that are going to show up on the computer and then give that patient feedback on what they're doing if they really can't get that muscle control down um, Sometimes we need to do some soft tissue mobilization, some scar mobilization, um, both internally and externally to help align those muscles better. Um, we might do some strengthening, overall postural and core strengthening, certain behavior modification strategies, things like that. Um, I know you brought up Kegels in the beginning, and I think everyone has heard of Kegels. Right. You know, I think that's just kind of a thing that you've heard of. Most people have tried them at some point in their life. They've maybe read a magazine article that says, do your Kegels every day. That is great. We're glad that that message is getting out. I just want to say that sometimes, especially those can't keep it in pain diagnoses that I, I touched upon briefly, Sometimes those individuals should not be doing Kegels, and they should actually be avoiding that exercise. So um, if I just want to caution, if someone starts to do Kegels and they really feel like their symptoms are getting worse or they're not getting better, then that would be kind of an indication to seek out some professional help. Another interesting thing about Kegels is, you know, through research and, and things like that, we found that 50% of individuals do Kegels wrong just with verbal instruction or written instruction alone. Um, so really just seeing a pelvic therapist and, and fine-tuning how you're doing that exercise to really get those deep muscles and do them correctly is worthwhile. Yeah, it really, I mean, the message that I'm taking away uh, from you here is that when you're experiencing some of these symptoms, it's really important to go seek professional help sooner because it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. You really need to get diagnosed to see where you are in your pelvic floor health journey and then get the right treatment or exercise plan according to you. Wouldn't you say that's correct? Exactly, yes. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about is, let's say someone listening to this, man or woman, um, you know, isn't experiencing any problems right now, but they want to be proactive about keeping their uh, pelvic floor healthy and strong. Uh, so in the future, they don't uh, uh, run into any of these problems that we're talking about here. Do you have any advice for them? Yeah. So I think that in those cases where you're might be asymptomatic, um, Kegels are a great preventative exercise to do. So working on trying to strengthen that muscle preventatively is great. Um, it, it especially helps in the prenatal population. We found that pregnant women that do Kegels are really reducing um, the chance of having some dysfunction into that postpartum period. So that could go for anyone, just making sure that they're staying strong. Um, core strengthening is really great. Our abdominal muscles work very closely with our pelvic floor muscles. Um, so if your abdominals are weak, then your pelvic floor muscles are going to have to work harder. So if you're maintaining just a nice exercise program, incorporating some core strengthening into it, that's great. And then just awareness. I think, you know, in some countries, pelvic physical therapy is, you know, part of the treatment plan. You know, as soon as someone has a baby or they have a certain treatment or surgery, they're automatically kind of funneling into that treatment. That unfortunately is not the case here. We're hoping to kind of raise more awareness and get that to be the common practice, but kind of being proactive and maybe asking your doctor, should I seek out, you know, 
these therapies when I'm pregnant or have a baby or when I'm going through this abdominal surgery or, you know, treatment, should I do this? And kind of asking for that referral or, or questioning things. I think that's a great, you know, great message. And I'm curious as to how effective some of these treatment plans are. You know, you, you know, we talk about once you make the assessment and you put them uh, on a plan, whether it be exercise uh, or beyond, uh, I'm curious as to if it actually works or if sometimes maybe something more serious like an interventional surgery might be needed. Maybe talk a little bit about that. You know, generally speaking, we have great results. Physical therapy is really the first, first line of defense for especially like urinary incontinence and diagnoses like that. You know, we're seeing a huge reduction in symptoms, more than more than 60% find a huge reduction or even a cure with, with physical therapy alone. But at the same time, you know, we are, we're not always fixing everything. There could be something a little bit more serious going on or that pain is just not going away. So we work really closely with the referring doctors. You know, we're constantly reassessing, reevaluating, um, sending those that information over to the doctor and really communicating um, and then figuring out what the next best plan is. Um, so just kind of that close relationship and constantly reassessing is helpful. Got it. And, you know, just to wrap up here, I know you've probably seen so many people regarding their pelvic health. Um, I'm curious as to what advice you might have um, or something that you wish that people knew before they came to see you. I think the big message is is kind of what I already said is that these these symptoms are common, not normal. We want people to know that they can have a better quality of life. Um, I think you hear it all the time where women are, oh, I can't, I can't jump around with my kids or when I cough, I have to, you know, I might leak some urine and this is just, this is as good as it gets. I had kids. Um, We don't want people to have that attitude. We want them to know that they can, you know, be functioning better and that it's not scary. Come on in and see us. You know, it's a basic internal exam you know, we're not using any tools, any speculums, anything like that. And we are really tailoring it to each individual. So we're going to make you feel comfortable. We're going to tailor that exercise program to you. And it's definitely worth a try. Yeah, that's uh, that's 100% true. And, you know, I think one of the things that I've learned, especially going through this postpartum experience with my wife, is there really isn't a lot of information. So just talking to you today and understanding that there is a path to normalcy and to strengthening your pelvic floor and eliminating some of these symptoms, it's just really good to hear. So I, I really appreciate your time today. That's Rachel Kim, a senior physical therapist at Emerson Hospital. Thanks for checking out this episode of HealthWorks Here. Call to schedule a pelvic floor physical therapy consultation or visit emersonhospital.org to learn more. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. Thanks and we'll talk next time.